Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Welcome to part two of EMDR, and this is a continuation of our previous conversation. If you haven't listened to part one, please go back and listen to that before you listen to this episode. Remember that when we talk about trauma, it's not necessarily the textbook definition of trauma, but it really is any disturbing event that you've experienced that you can feel on your body or when you think of it and you bring it up, you feel a disturbance. And so that's what EMDR will focus on and help with. And so again, trauma is a big word, but it doesn't mean that the event that affected you has to be like the stereotypical horrible car accident, military veteran, or something along those lines. It can definitely be something like getting attacked by bees or a careless word from a parent that just stuck with you and you can't get it out of your mind or an embarrassing event you went through. That's not a huge deal. But when you think about it, you still feel embarrassed today. And so for us, the bar for trauma is very low. It's anything that when you think about gives you an unpleasant emotion along with that. Right. And that's why some of the stories that we use, it seems like you may think, well, that's not really trauma right? EMDR is so powerful and can help with many different levels of disturbances and trauma. So let's talk a little bit about our daughter. And this is actually the first time we had done it on any of our kids. And when you're doing EMDR on kids, sometimes it can look a little bit different from doing it on adults. Adults are better able to access and kind of put themselves in the position of their memories. And so sometimes when you're working with kids, you have to bootstrap it a little bit. You have to add in a little bit of a stimuli. And so this story It's not going to be the exact normal process of going through EMDR, but it is still a good explanation of or a good example of how things start and then how they can end. And so obviously, right, podcasting had been a topic in our family because we planned on launching one and we did and here we are. But while we were talking about it, you know, our kids were around and our oldest daughter, Hannah, she heard us talking about podcasting. Unbeknownst to us, I think she'd gotten a hold of your phone, Ruth, and she started recording videos of herself talking about gardening and we just one morning we woke up we were looking through Ruth's phone and we just found this video of Hannah it was like I don't know what was it like 10 minutes long or something like that it was like a good amount of time yeah and she actually said welcome to my podcast we're gonna be talking about gardening and then she just kind of launches in and just starts talking about all the stuff that she knows about gardening because we had a garden in our backyard and we were planting a bunch of different things And we were just blown away. We were so impressed by her. And so that morning we called her in. We're like, Hannah, come watch this video we found. And we started playing it. And she was mortified. And we were laughing because it was so cute and so well done. And we were so proud of it. We were by no means laughing at her. But she saw the video and she just felt so uncomfortable and embarrassed. And she went under the covers and just started crying. Crocodile tears. Crocodile tears. She was crying. Just absolutely weeping about this. She was so embarrassed about it. And so we tried to talk to her. We tried to tell her how good it was. And it made no difference. And what I said earlier is when when you're feeling something emotionally, logic is not going to fix how you feel. We can tell her all we want, how impressed we are, how wonderful it was. But it just isn't making a difference because her brain is telling her, nope, this is embarrassing. This is shameful. 
oh my gosh, I feel so awful about this, even so much that she wanted to just hide under the cover. She didn't even want people to see her because of how embarrassed she was. And so obviously, fortunately or unfortunately for her, she has two therapists as parents. And so instead of just sweeping it under the rug, we started working on fixing the problem with her. We brought her out from under the covers. We got our uh, handheld buzzers to start processing through this memory with her. And she was just super embarrassed and like talking about, oh my gosh, I said this. Oh, I said it like that. And that's embarrassing. Just being super hypercritical of herself, even though like this was the only video we found on there. So this was like her first shot at doing it. And it was really pretty good. So we started processing this through with her. So when it kind of started to settle down, this is the bootstrapping I talked about earlier. I started playing the video again, then she would get uncomfortable again. And then we do the buzzer some more to help her process more. And we kind of were doing this maybe 15 or 20 minutes or something along that line. And then at the end, she was able to watch her video all the way through and not feel embarrassed, but be logically critical and say, I would do it like this instead, but not be upset or beat herself up over it. It was uncomfortable because, you know, we're her parents and we do this to people all the time. We subject them to their own emotional discomfort. But then as our parents were taking our own child through it, and we're like, oh my gosh, you know, she's so emotional. We felt bad. We had what's called in psychology counter-transference where her emotions were affecting us. And so we're like, oh, should we keep going? I don't know. Are we making a mistake? But then we just kept pressing through. And then at the end, she felt totally fine. She was happy with her work. She would make edits or changes to how she did it in the future, but then was no longer beating herself up about it. And she was proud of it overall. And so it was really an interesting thing to see. And there really was a point for me where I was like, oh, I was cringing. I had to leave for a little bit because I was just seeing her cry. And, you know, that idea of re-traumatizing them, making them go through it again and again. I see that all the time when I'm going through it with my clients. But like he said, to see our daughter going through it, I... I even told Tim, I was like, oh, is this the right thing that we're, what we're doing? Um, so it was just so different to see it in our own family and to see it with our daughter, who I think at that time was probably seven. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. She's probably around seven when we did this and she's nine now. And actually, it's not even just her being okay doing her own podcast and things like that. It also affected how she engaged with people socially after that. On the spectrum of introvert versus extrovert, our daughter's pretty introverted. She kind of takes after me in that way where I'm fairly introverted. But then after she went through this, her introversion became much lighter. She came much more towards the center where she was better at engaging people and talking to people. And a lot of the shyness had kind of worn down. Absolutely. I was able to see that the very next day because we went to a birthday party for one of her friends from dance. And typically when we go to parties, she'll kind of stick next to me as her safe place, which is rightly so, right? I'm her home base. And she'll go out, maybe look at, observe what's going on and then come back. But we went out and I was able to see just the difference in her socially where she jumped in with friends. She felt a lot more confident. She actually didn't check in with me at all until she was hungry and she wanted food. And I was watching her from afar, seeing how she's interacting with really this big group of girls that she only knew one or two of them. And it was so awesome to see her confidence in it. And it was such a cool party. They It was a reptile show. And so typically she would not necessarily go up in front of everybody. But they asked for volunteers and asked who wanted to hold this boa constrictor. And so she held, I have pictures of her 
where she held it around her neck and she was like, oh my gosh, this is heavy. And it was so awesome to be able to see her thrive just even the very next day. So when we talk about EMDR and how much we love it, it really is because it has changed our lives and it's changed our children's lives. And it's allowed them to really step out there and thrive. And we've seen them have so much more confidence after going through this process, even for some things that can seem fairly innocuous, right? You think her being embarrassed about a podcast that she had recorded on Ruth's phone is not a big deal. But then when you go through this, again, you're not just working on the specific memory, you're working on the negative belief system. Her negative belief system was, I cannot stand it. And then when we process through it, it flipped over to, I can handle it. And so it wasn't just about doing a podcast, but then she was also able to handle social situations that may have felt more awkward or more uncomfortable for her in the past. But now she was just able to breeze through it because now the new operating system that was installed in her mind is, I can handle this. One analogy I want to share about EMDR is the iPhone analogy that Tim came up with. And if you're interested, you can go on YouTube, just type in Timothy Olson, EMDR, And he has a video on there. I think it's about 20, 22 minutes. And it explains the process of EMDR. So it might have a lot of what we say on here. But that's what we typically send to new clients or people that are interested in EMDR but don't really know anything about it. I believe he uses this analogy in that video. If you have a phone, you can be in one app at a time, right? You can be playing a game. You can be on Facebook. You can be in your notes section. But you can only be in that app working it. In the background, though, you can have a lot of apps that are open. And so if you're like me, you have a lot of apps open up in the background. And even though I haven't thought about, say, the dictionary app that's open on my phone, I don't know the last time that I thought about that or have used it. It's still in the background, taking up resources, battery life, memory. It can still be using your GPS location or using up internet data. It's the same idea with trauma. Even though you may not think that these memories are affecting you anymore, whether you think about them frequently or infrequently, or whether they seem kind of innocuous or a little bit more intense, these memories are stealing and utilizing and siphoning off these resources that your brain uses to function. And the more you get cut out from stealing resources from your brain, the more accessibility you have, the more resilience you have, the more ability to cope with and deal with emotions that you have when you remove these things. And so even if working on a memory doesn't necessarily seem like it could dramatically improve your life. Just having those extra resources, those emotional mental resources available is something that can be quite the improvement to how you feel and how you operate on a day-to-day basis. I would even say it's one of those things where they don't even recognize how much it's been weighing them down until that burden has been lifted. Thank you for joining us for this episode about EMDR and we'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.